You know, God has an interest in imperfect people. That's us. And he's always been that way. So the record of God's people in the Bible is laden with imperfections. It's quite honest about human flaws, sometimes even blatant sin. It's not a pretty picture. We like to think we're not like the folks in the Bible. We're a cut above. But in fact, we is they. So I want to give you a glimpse, not a very pretty picture, of what human nature looks like. I'll uh, sum up what we covered last week. Moses and Aaron were the duly appointed leaders of Israel, as you recall, but others vied for their position out of selfish ambition. They were not satisfied uh, with the portion that God gave, and so they challenged quite uh, aggressively Moses' leadership and Aaron's leadership, which is in effect to challenge the sovereignty of God. And this is something God does not take to very kindly. And so he sent upon these people, rebellious ones, a very striking uh, and immediate judgment. It's atypical. You don't see it a lot in the Bible, the judgment of God quite like this. I mentioned to you it came this way so that future generations like ours would learn from ancient Israel's mistakes. And so the penalty God imposed upon the people for their uh, grotesque rebellion against God-appointed leadership was that the very ground opened up. You remember the account to number 16. The ground opened up and swallowed up those who were rebelling against duly appointed leadership. Of course, this is an overwhelming thing for us to behold, but rather small uh, for the creator uh, of, of the earth. And so the ground swallowed up some, and then there were 250 other pretenders to the throne. Uh, you know, they were Levites in many respects, but they yearned to be priests. And so, and so they weren't satisfied with a lot in their lives, which was bequeathed to them by God. And so they wanted to be priests and leaders, and, and they did that, which was the prerogative of the high priest. And as a result, they were consumed, literally consumed by fire. And so some swallowed up by the ground, 250 others consumed by fire. Oh my goodness. A rather graphic lesson, you would think. And you would think, so striking and dramatic was it that the people would have learned from it. Well, they didn't. Folks, our capacity for sin and rebellion is really great. This doesn't mean that each of us actually acts on it, uh, but it means that the potential for it is there. In other words, it's in our nature to sin. Do you know this is contrary to God's nature? He's holy. He's undefiled by sin. That is not true of us. And so though we may not have done what ancient Israel did, we have the capacity to. It's in our being. So I want to show you what they did after this dramatic outpouring of the righteous indignation and judgment of God. You would think they would be good boys and girls. Oh, no. Check it out. Uh, Numbers chapter 16, uh, beginning in verse 41. Just a few verses for tonight. Numbers 16, verse 41. But on the next day, so I, so I reminded you of what happened on the prior day. So on the next day, that's where we are now, all the congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Folks, I had to go back. I had to say, it must be a misprint. Something's wrong. The very next day, they grumble against Moses and Aaron, saying, you, get this, you are the ones who have caused the death of the Lord's people. It's an irrational accusation against duly appointed leadership. 
Heavens to Betsy, I suppose you can accuse a leader of anything, but this is, they're almost insinuating that Moses had some magical power to make the ground open. And so they're attributing the demise of the people who were swallowed up by the earth and consumed by fire. They're attributing it to Moses' wrongdoing. No, it was the wrongdoing of their peers, and it was the activity of sovereign God. But anyway, this is what they say. So verse 42, it came about, however, when the congregation had assembled against Moses and Aaron, that they turned toward the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, you know it's called, and behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron came to the front of the tent of meeting, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, get away from among this congregation that I may consume them instantly. What would you do? Would you say, it's about time? Would you say, if you're Moses, would you say, good idea? (sighs) Would you say they deserve it? Would you say, I deserve better? Look what they do. Then they fell on their faces. It's a habitual response, it looks like, to the insubordination of the people. We've seen it before. Then they fell. It's very undignified. They fell on. It was not private. It was public. They didn't care. They had need to petition Almighty God. They fell on their faces once again. And as you will see, they express a desire not for the demise of the people, but for the deliverance of the people. The true mark of true godly leadership, the glory of God, and the good of the people in spite of the people. And so they fall on their faces to petition God. And verse 46, Moses said to Aaron, take your censer. Remember we described it, it's kind of like a metal box. Take your censer and put in it fire from the altar. You would put incense in it, and with the fire from the altar, you would kindle it. So the incense would go up as a fragrant aroma. Do this, Moses said to Aaron. Sure, Aaron, he's the right one, he's the high priest. And lay incense on it, and then bring it quickly. Don't delay. Bring it quickly. This is serious business. Bring it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. The leader effectuates a plan not for the destruction of the people, but for the deliverance of the people. High priest, intercede. High priest, Aaron, mediate between Sinful man and holy God. High priest, appease the righteous indignation and the wrath of Almighty God. High priest, do what you're called to do. Make atonement. Provide a covering for their sin. So that their sin is masked from the penetrating eyes of an intensely holy God who will judge them unto death without your intercession 
your mediation, your atoning work. Do this for them. For wrath has gone forth from the Lord. The plague has begun. The plague, a disease. We don't know the specifics of it, but we know it is a manifestation of the judgment of God. Appease, high priest, appease the wrath of God because his wrath is already manifested in the form of a plague and it is already decimating a number of the people. Hurry, go quickly, high priest. Run to your mediatorial role. Stand in the gap. High priest, delay. Not one second. Stand in the gap. And then Aaron, verse 47, took it as Moses had spoken. And, and he ran into the midst of the assembly. And for behold, the plague, you see, had begun among the people. And so he put on the incense and made atonement for the people were thousands of years removed. See if you can envision this. Aaron is advanced in age at this point. He's no young pup. He's a seasoned vet. He's an older man. He's the high priest. He's been offended. The people offended him. The people rebelled. Against, they rejected him. He dons his high priestly garments he picks up his censer filled with incense from the altar. And this old man, this, this, this high priest, can you see him? Can you envision it? Can you see him running? Not walking, not strolling, nothing casual about this. Can you see him making haste, running quickly into the midst of the people in an effort to save their lives? Imagine it, see it. He's the one they rejected, don't you get it? He's the one they rejected. God gives this grand test. Step back. I'll destroy them. Make a new start, maybe with you. No! Aaron runs to fill the gap, to stand between the living and the dead. That's what he does. The plague, the manifestation of the judgment of God had already begun. It was spreading like wildfire through the camp. Everyone would die. Everyone deserved to die. But, it, but Aaron, the high priest, he put his very life on the line in order to make atonement. He put himself in the midst of the assembly, plague and all. He put his very life on the line in order to make atonement for the people. It's so ironic because the very day before, 250 people tried to usurp Aaron's authority. They did the same thing. It was a masquerade. They had their censers as well. They ignited it with fire from the altar. Did God receive it? No. They were consumed by fire. There's only one high priest. Everybody else is a pretender to the throne. There's only one who could fill the gap. Don't you see it? between sinful people and a holy God. There's only one who qualifies. Others are pretenders to the throne. One was able to do what 250 pretenders could not do. And so now the one duly appointed high priest, Aaron, comes forth on behalf of the people with his censor. And what is the result? Look at it, verse 48. He took a stand between the dead and the living, so that the plague was checked. It's phenomenal. The, the high priest, the duly appointed, 
designated high, there's only one. That one rushed to his mediatorial role, filled the void caused by sin between creature and creator, made his atoning offering, offered up his incense, and that one took his stand literally between the dead thousands already had perished and those who still yet had a chance, the dead and the living. What's the result? The plague was checked. Nobody could stop it. Nothing could be done except for the intercessory work of the mediator who ran to fill the void, put himself at risk so as to intercede for the people, and the plague was checked. Atonement was required, for there was sin, but atonement can only be offered by one, the duly appointed high priest. Nobody else could offer efficacious is a word. That means atonement that works. Nobody could provide a solution, a covering for human sin except this high priest who interceded for them, who offered an atoning sacrifice for them. Only one by God's designation could be the mediator between the people who offended the Most High God and God who was offended. It was Aaron. And so Aaron took his stand, just as the text says, between the dead and the living. And he offered up his incense and he offered up his life. In the Bible, uh, trace it sometime, incense is frequently a symbol of prayer. Think about it. It's a fragrant aroma and it ascends. That's what prayer is. It's a fragrant aroma to Almighty God, and it ascends upwards. And he breathes it in, and he delights in the prayers of his people. And so this is what Aaron is doing, his incense and, and his life offered. And he stands in the gap between God and the people and intercedes. And I, I just have to read it again. And the plague was checked. Don't you say it? The plague was checked. The high priest's intercession and atonement for the people was accepted by God on high. And he relented. His wrath was appeased by the atoning work of the high priest. Don't you find this ironic? The very one whom the people opposed, rejected, ridiculed, and despised. That very one is the only one who could stand in the gap. And he's willing to. That's his role. That's his calling. That's what he came to do. This one stood in the gap between these people who insulted him so greatly and the very wrath of God, which would otherwise befall them. And so verse 49, those who died by the plague on that occasion were 14,700 besides those who died on account of Korah, the 250 the day before. And then Aaron returned to Moses at the doorway of the tent of meeting for the plague, see it says again, for the plague had been checked. Two times we see the 
phrase repeated, the plague had been checked. It's such an overwhelming thing. It's such a gracious provision. It's such a marvelous provision by God uh, that it has to be stated twice just to ensure us this is what happened the plague which was the manifestation of the wrath of God poured out on the people was checked by the intermediary work the intercessory work the atoning work of the only one who could do it the high priest the plague had been checked and God's wrath was averted okay Let me ask you a question. Who does Aaron remind you of? Anybody know? Yes. By the way, that's how you read the Bible? Could I give you these two? This word is a little uh, complicated. Progressive revelation. What does that mean? It means there's progress in the written revelation of God. You start in Genesis, keep moving, keep moving. It's progressing, it's progressing. When you finish Revelation, stop, you're done. That's how it is. But here's the deal. Because of progressive revelation, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to go back here. That's called regressive revelation. You understand? So everything that's come before what's in the new is a foreshadowing of the new. So, 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 so what you're going to find are shadows of truth in the old and substance in the new. You're going to find the old covenant. It's marvelous, but we're not good. <laughs> and so we cannot make it under the old covenant. So it gives way to the new covenant. Aaron was the high priest assigned at a particular place in a particular time. To minister on behalf of a particular people, the Israelites. But the high priest, Jesus, is far greater. He's not a particular high priest. He offers himself uh, to atone for the sin of everybody, everywhere. Jew, Gentile, black, white, old, young, rich, poor, male, female. Can you, so when you read the old, you're, you're, you're getting glimpses of the completion, the perfection, the fulfillment in the new. Progressive revelation. Progressive revelation. And so Aaron is called a type, a type of the Lord Jesus. A foreshadowing in embryonic form of the full reality burst in the Lord Jesus who is the far greater high priest. Aaron foreshadows uh, the Lord Jesus. Aaron, you notice, was appointed by God to serve as high priest for a time, for a people, for a place. But the Lord Jesus is our high priest forever, forever, forever. The Lord Jesus is appointed by God as high priest forever and for all who will call upon his name. Aaron foreshadows the high priest, the Lord Jesus. Aaron was offended, was he not, by the people. And so too, our sin has posed a great offense uh, to the high priest, the Lord Jesus. I don't know if we understand this as much as we should. Our sin offends him, for he is the sinless one. And yet, just as Aaron rushed in 
to atone for the sins of the ancient Israelites, so too the one whom we have offended, the Lord Jesus, has rushed in willingly in submission to the Father to provide atonement for our sin, yours and and mine. Something had to be done in Aaron's day. The judgment of God would, if unchecked, destroy the people. The high priest, therefore, ran into the midst of the people with his incense and with his life on the line, and the plague was checked. Well, we all have sinned. The Bible says that. And something has to be done. And the Lord Jesus, the great high priest, ran to our aid, impaled, On a cross, offered his life, and the wrath of God, which we deserve, was checked. Was checked. It was averted. Others sought to do what only Aaron could do in his day. Only Aaron's censer, only Aaron's incense was a fragrant aroma in the nostrils of Almighty God appeasing his wrath. 250 others made an attempt. You saw the outcome for them. The wrath of God was outpoured on them. God only accepted the intercessory work of his designated high priest, then Aaron and folks. God only accepts the intercessory work of the great high priest, the Lord Jesus, to provide atonement, a covering between sinful man and woman and a holy God. That's the way it is. And just to be sure of it, God gave us all this Old Testament stuff, Aaron and all the rest and numbers and so on and so forth, so that we could see what God did in becoming enfleshed and standing in the gap for us was not on impulse. It was planned. It was planned. It was planned. So, no other offer or no other offering would do. Only Aaron's. Only that of the Lord Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator also. One mediator also. Between God and man. In case you're uncertain about who, it says the man, Christ Jesus. That's it. It's plain and simple. So Aaron left the place of safety in order to stand in the gap between the living and the dying. He did this on behalf of the people. And so too the Lord Jesus, the one whom Aaron foreshadowed, similarly left the place of safety to stand between the living and the dead and to rescue sinners like you and me from death. Same thing. The plague The judgment of God upon sin took its toll, but it proceeded, did you notice this, no further than where Aaron stood. Mm. So too, the righteous judgment of God with regard to our sin proceeds no further than where the Lord Jesus positioned himself. He positioned himself on a cross. Go there by faith. Kneel at it. and the plague will be checked. Look upon the one who was impaled upon it, who rose off it, (laughs) 
Make your primary point of identification in life, not your ethnicity, not your race, not your age, not your socioeconomic status, not that you may have been abused, not that you're depressed, not that you have anxiety. These are realities. I'm not minimizing them. I'm just saying, make your primary point of identification the cross. That's the point at which the plague can go no further. Attach yourself to it. Whatever detachment you may have experienced from human relationships in life, understandable, very painful, leaves you quite wounded. Okay. But make your primary identification the cross of Jesus Christ. The plague could not go further than where the high priest took his stand. The plague cannot go further than when the Lord Jesus took up his position on the cross. The plague, God's wrath, do us because of our sin, can proceed no further than the place where the blood of the high priest was poured out for you and I. That's the point at which the plague is checked. What can wash away my sin? (laughs) What's the answer? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What hope was there for those people in that day but for the gracious initiative and intervention of their high priest? Please tell me what hope is there for anyone today but for the gracious initiative which the high priest, the Lord Jesus, has taken in taking our place on the cross, in filling the space between us. It's a chasm, it's a gap between us and Almighty. What can wash away my sin which will bring upon me the plague of Almighty God? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Aaron stood there between life and death and he offered his very life and and his incense for the people who transgressed against him and God accepted the atonement and the plague was checked. His incense, a fragrant aroma ascending up to God which reminds me of the prayer, the words uttered by the Lord Jesus Christ from his position uh, on the cross when he said, you remember this, Father Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And the Father accepted the incense, the prayer, as a fragrant aroma uttered by his suffering and dying son on our behalf. And the plague was checked. Do you mind me telling something? Telling you something? I will never experience the wrath of God. I didn't say I don't deserve to. I just said I never will because the plague was checked. Can you say that? Are you sure? Then make that your cause for joy and rejoicing. The wrath of God has been abated. You'll never experience it. Saved from the wrath of God to come. Twice we read the marvelous phrase and the plague was checked. It was averted once and for all and so too is the penalty of our sin. That's a cast. He cast our sin behind his back. The fullness of his wrath was poured out on his son. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's the wrath of God outpoured on the son, on the high priest. 
Then he said, it's finished. <laughs> it's over. It is enough. Paid in full. I will. You will. If you've connected by faith to what happened on that cross, you will never, ever be a recipient of the grace of God, uh, of the wrath of God. Hebrews 7.25. Therefore, he is able also, I just love, I know you did. He's able also to save, what comes next? Forever. Who? Those who draw near to God. How? Through him. Why? Because he always lives. To do what? Make intercession for them. As Aaron stood in the gap, interceding on behalf of sinful, rebellious people, so too the greater high priest, the Lord Jesus, who rose up from death, is the guarantor of the fullness and eternality of salvation. Because even when I sin as a saved person, he stands ready always to make intercession for me. Just like Aaron did. And if Aaron the high priest with his censer and his incense, if he and his offering could disarm the wrath of an insulted, angry, holy God so that a guilty people who deserve nothing but destruction could be spared the ravages of the plague, how much more? Can the offering of the high priest, the very Son of God, the Lord Jesus, appease the wrath of God and be the guarantor that we can be a forgiven son or daughter, no longer an adversary, no longer at odds with God, brought nigh, close through the blood of the Lamb. Aaron put himself in the very pathway of the plague, and can you envision it? He, he stretched out his arms with his censer and with his incense. And thousands of years later, the greater high priest, the Lord Jesus, our high priest, would put himself in the same fashion in the gap on the cross for us. And with nail-pierced, outstretched arms, he exclaimed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I don't want to go back to Aaron. <laughs> I want Aaron to point me to the great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, there is absolutely nothing that can save a person except Jesus Christ standing in the gap between that person and the judgment of a holy and righteous God. It's not complicated. Don't be confused. All roads don't lead to Rome. One high priest. One atoning sacrifice. One covering for sin. One intercessor. One mediator between God and man. Most in the world believe in one God. Far fewer believe in one mediator between God and man. Don't worry about being in the majority. <laughs> Be right about this. Be right. And be free. 
from fear. Be free from the wrath of God. Be free from judgment. Be free to live for Him, to serve Him, to enjoy Him as your greatest joy in life. Be free.